What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast for MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert reviews, interviews, and so much more. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? I'm good, man. And it's cool what we do with the podcast, because all we try to do is get the views. <laughs> yes. Um, this was a, this is an interesting one. Um the, the the guest on this episode is uh, Brian Garris, uh, singer for Knock Loose, who honestly I feel like are just the it band in hardcore right now. They're blowing it up, man. Like as far as being a legit hardcore band, uh, I, I got no complaints. Uh, and I really liked this interview, especially because it was like how to be a successful touring hardcore band 101. <laughs> Tour all the time. Yeah. Tour. Make friends with everybody that you tour with. Get bigger than people that you tour with. Take those people out on tour. <laughs> yeah. That's actually something uh, we'll have to drop the episode with uh, the Acacia Strain guys, with Vincent and, and Tom, because that's actually something we talked about in this interview, because I did this one first and then went and talked to the Acacia Strain guys. And it was kind of interesting listening to Brian, obviously, make the comment about, you know, the guys in the case of strength took knock loose out. They were one of the first bigger tours they got to do. And so it only felt right for them to, you know, when they had the opportunity to take, you know, the band out themselves. And it's interesting to see this kind of loyalty. Uh, we were talking, you know, on the last episode about, you know, the divisiveness uh, you were saying about the scene and so forth. And it's cool to see at least within this scene that there's not this divisive, like, well, the label tells us we can't take you out or, you know, we have to take bands of this caliber. And it's like, I love the fact that Brian's like, you know, we have three rules, like, and spoiler alert, they are basically like, we have to take like a legacy band, which is why they take out bands like Terror or the Acacia Strain. One has to be an oddball. And I think like just, you know, the way that they approach everything just makes so much sense. But at the same time, it's like, well, fuck, why isn't anyone else doing this? Yeah, totally, and maybe other people are, but not obviously not to the success that they have. Especially if one of your rules is, like, an oddball. Like, that oddball could potentially ruin it for everyone. But maybe not. Maybe that legacy band and, you know, the, the headliner are enough for people to put up with that oddball, even if it doesn't work out. Well, I think what's weird, you know, seeing... Because I remember a while ago on Justice Podcast, uh, they had uh, Scott Vogel from Terror on, and he was talking about how they were getting ready to do a tour with a band, and you know they were going to be direct support for that band. And at the time, it wasn't known that it was going to be the Knock Loose Terror uh, Jesus Peace tour, I think is what it was. And it was one of those things where when the tour was announced, all these Terror fans were like, dude, what the fuck? Like, how are you opening for this new band? And it's like a lot of times people forget that that's how it is, like... If you're like, and this sounds shitty, but like, it's just the brutally honest way of saying this. If your band's not on currently, sometimes you, you need to step aside and like put your ego aside and just fucking realize like where you're at. And that's not saying Terror is like a band that like is on the, on the decline. Far from it. They've always been a consistently steady band that draws really well and puts on a great show and puts out great records consistently. That is what they are. Terror is a consistently great hardcore band. That being said, Knocked Loose is doing something which is transcending hardcore heavy metal and is allowing them to permeate into other avenues. So as such, it's cool that Terror, at least, or bands like the Acacia Strain are able to kind of be like, yo, like, a tour is a tour, and if we've toured with someone that we like, like, fuck it, let's do it. It doesn't matter if we're the first of four, the, you know, direct support or whatever, like, 
we just want to play good shows with good people. And I think that's seemingly what Knock Loose is doing, and it's working really well. I mean, so much so, like, look at how high up they are on this year's Louder Than Life Festival. That's incredible. Well, yeah, and it's just based on their hard work. And I guess the question I have for those terror fans is, who cares? Do you like terror? You want to go see terror play live in your town? Even if you hate all the other bands, who cares? Go home. Go home early. Go to bed early. You know, like, like I don't understand this perception of what order the bands play in. Like, I get that I get that the headlining band gets a longer set and all that stuff. But, like, at the end of the day, like, when I went and saw, uh, whenever I saw the Slayer Farewell Tour with, like, you know, Napalm Death and uh, Slayer, obviously, and Testament, and it was just one of those, and Lamb of God. Like, I get to see a whole bunch of bands that I actually like more than Slayer. And so, like, I guess it just didn't really matter to me. And I don't understand how if you like a band, you're a fan, why that would matter. Like, why you would be upset that your band, that your favorite band is out still doing it instead of them just fading away. Because, like, if you take a band like Terror, yeah, they're they're a good band, but, like, they don't have the buzz factor that Knocked Loose has because they're not a new band. It's not their fault. Oh, my God, like, they committed the crime of existing longer. You know what I mean? But like people know what they're going to get out of a terror show. But I, I think it, it benefits everybody because, you know, people that are into terror, I can see them liking Knocked Loose, despite what I've heard people comment, you know, on on the Internet. I doubt any of the, I doubt any of those badasses are going to get up in anybody's face and, and say anything at the show. So it, it's it's just it's a moot point And it's just not almost not even worth talking about in the sense that, like, you either like a band or you don't. And I think that this strategy is really smart, too, because, you know, you take a legacy band out there, that legacy band's fans are going to check you out, hopefully. And if they don't, then they don't. You haven't lost anything. You're still the headlining band. Right. I think the thing that gets kind of weird about this is, you know, you want to put out the best package tour that makes sense, that's going to draw, that's going to make everybody money. And it just, at the end of the day, it's like... It just baffles me. I mean, it's like a, another great example, and you know, something we talked about in this episode is obviously every time I die, and you know, much to your what you're saying, I've seen every time I die, very much like you have with Norma Jean, probably in every capacity that you could possibly see that band. I've seen every chance you get. Yeah, yeah. I was to say I've seen just about every year that they did Warped, or they, even if they were the only band I wanted to see, I've seen them opening shows for people. I've seen them headline. I've seen them play an arena as an opener which was fucking weird and i'll probably never see that i'm probably going to go to that mastodon coheed tour because when's the next time i'm going to get to see every time i die play in an arena or amphitheater outside yeah, of like warp tour like legit like not warp tour where there's like a hundred bands just it's every time i die coheed and mastodon like it's going to be the same thing with fallout boy show but on a completely different scale because maybe etid fans will be there I don't know, but it's one of those where legitimately I'm going to try to find the cheapest ticket I can go to the show and then I'm probably going to leave because I'm not a fan of the other bands. I've seen them recently. They do nothing for me, but they do things for a million other people. That's great. I'm going to have my fun. And I'm going to support the band I love and I'm going to leave and it's okay. And I think it's really weird that we're in this mentality where it's like if this if the show isn't stacked from start to finish and isn't worth my fucking $10 or whatever, like people seem to just get 
focused on the wrong thing and being negative about the wrong thing. And it just is, it's weird. It's, it's interesting to see knocked loose and code orange. And I would even say like turnstile is kind of like the other one, the other three to make the, the triple threat and, and those newer bands or whatever that everyone is paying attention to. But with Knock Loose, like, it seems like, you know, Code Orange did it on a completely different realm, getting more mainstream love right away with, like, you know, the going out on tour with Killswitch, actually going out with Every Time I Die, going out with, you know, Hatebreed and getting on these bigger look tours where Knock Loose was kind of more underground until recently. And it's it's interesting just to see, you know, I, I've seen a couple interviews with Brian and he seems very intelligent, obviously, but I was still kind of nervous and apprehensive to talk to him because I was expecting there to be kind of this this cultish following that the band has and i kind of expected the 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 main person behind that to kind of maybe carry some of those uh ideals that like the fans kind of do yeah no it was very much not that uh dude was just so chill answered all your questions very matter-of-factly like it wasn't like weird or you know well you see the thing is like it wasn't him talking about how great they were and that's why they were dominating at the level that they're dominating at. You know, like it was just like, no, I, I think we, we made a plan for if we ever got to this level and now we're executing that plan. Yeah. And speaking of executing the plan, let's uh, get to my conversation with Brian Garris of Knock Loose and we'll talk to you afterwards. <laughs> Pleasure. This uh, nice spring day here in Grand Rapids. Uh, getting to talk to Brian from Knock Loose. You guys just put out a brand new EP a couple of days ago, which uh, was kind of nice because that alleviates a lot of the bullshit questions I was going to ask about when new music's coming. So thankfully that uh, has already happened. Uh, but how are you doing today? Good. I'm great. I've been uh, sick. So I started the tour sick, which is like weird because you usually get sick on tour. But I got sick right before the tour, and I think that I'm getting over it now, which is great because now I just have the rest of the tour to look forward to. There's nothing worse than, like, getting sick when you are, like, in the midst of, like, a nice hot day, spring is sprung, and then you're just like, Ugh. Yep, 100%. And I think that it's kind of like a requirement when you go on tour now is that you're just going to get sick eventually right. at least once. You know, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about actually the uh, the EP. Um, you know, I found it really interesting the fact that how long the record, you know, how long you've been supporting it because something that I kind of tend to focus on on the podcast is is really the fact that shelf lives of records are, are so finite. Like, you know, it seems like a band is in and out in a year after putting out a record. And this record had just fucking legs galore. You were getting on, you know, as we were talking before we hit record, you got on a tour with Beartooth, you toured with Every Time I Die, you did A Day to Remember. Like, it just seemed like every time you got off a tour, here's the next banger tour and you guys are going on. Was it kind of a surprise to you to see how far this, this album allowed you to just be out on the road? Yeah, it was 100% a surprise because, like, you know, when you write a record, you're like, okay, we're going to write a record and then, like, in a year we're going to write another one. And that like obviously wasn't the case it's the laugh tracks is going on like three years old now so like um we definitely didn't expect for it to last as long as it has to get the opportunities that we have because that we had because of it 
Um, but we're very, very grateful that it did that well. And I think that it, it really, like, I think that how well Laugh Tracks did helped us write better new music. Something that, you know, kind of been talking about the, the relationship you had with the fans and, and the, on that record, this, you know, Laugh Tracks, um, is it, was there a moment during the touring cycle at any point where you kind of just saw like the shift kind of happening where it's like, this is more than maybe we thought it was. Like we knew it was a good record, but fuck, I didn't know it was going to like land like this and, and be, make kind of put us into this forefront of uh, some of the younger bands kind of coming out at this point. I think maybe, um, there was like two moments for me specifically because I mean like everything that we've done and like the timeline of us being a band is just better than the last thing that we did, uh, which is like, we're very, very grateful for that. But I think that two like moments for me specifically was like Warp Tour 2017. We were kind of like an underdog band. We were placed on like the smallest stage. Um, um, and our sets every day were just like so great. And it was just like, that was kind of when I like looked at the bands on the on the big stage and being like, man, we could be doing that. Like with the reactions that we're getting and the support that we're getting, and then um, our first headliner um, last year with Jesus, Peace, and Terror and Year of the Knife, that was like a, a definitely a moment for me when I was just like, holy shit! Like how did it get to this point? Because I mean, like that tour was like thirty four out of thirty six shows sold out. And, I mean, I never would have expected that to happen. So that was definitely a moment for me when I was just like, okay, this is sick. Like, we got something. Kind of adversely with, you know, as I was kind of preparing for this interview and just kind of thinking about the last three years of the band and, and kind of the, the ascension that you guys have done through kind of being that underdog band to kind of, you know, now again being on a headlining run uh, and, you know, dropping the EP and everyone kind of like just everyone kind of champing at the bit for, for new material from you guys. And thinking kind of more about what does being away for so long, just constantly touring, do to you as people, like, personally? It's definitely taxing. I mean, uh, we do tour a lot, and we've kind of been known to always just be on the road. But at the at the end of the day, like, we all still love it, or else we wouldn't do it. Like, the only reason that we do it as much as we do is because we enjoy doing it. Um, and it gets hard. You miss like a lot of birthdays and weddings and holidays. And there's definitely times when I've like, there were definitely times on the road where that like definitely affected my mental health. But at the end of the day, I'm extremely fortunate to be able to do what I do at the caliber that we do it. Um, but trust me, like if I ever start hating it, I will not do it. (laughs) Is it a thing where, and maybe you, we as the the fans and the public will hear it on the on the upcoming records and so forth, is it a thing where a lot of it has, the ups and the downs maybe have inspired a lot of new lyrics that are going to be coming out? Yeah, for sure, 100%. Uh, it was definitely like, I mean, so much has changed since we released Laugh Tracks. Like, um... So I definitely had a lot to say, you know what I mean? There were times when I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about because I've just been, like, playing shows since it came out. But then, like, there was definitely, like, a lot that I I had to say, and I, I think that I got it all out. 
it was kind of interesting with you guys dropping the three song EP. You know, mistakes like fractures. First of all, having a cover on there, like what made you choose a Warriors cover? Even though, if you look at the internet comments, everyone will kind of be shitty and be like, they've been biting Warriors sound long enough. At least, why not put a cover out and at least uh, tip the hat to them officially? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't think that we sound like the Warriors. I think that <laughs> I sound like the Warriors singer. Um, and since we've been a band, that's like been a comparison that we've gotten. Like, like everybody tells me that I sound like the dude that sings for that band. So we always like joked about covering it. Like since I sound so much like him, but then when we were actually at the studio recording, we told Will Putney, who we recorded with, that we thought about covering that once, and he's like, "That's sick. I love that song. We should just record it." And we like never had any intentions of recording it. So like we were just like, "Yeah, sure, fuck it, let's go." And um, we recorded it in the same process with like all my friends, which was like a re-recorded version of it. Like we were all like at the studio and we listened to, um, we like saw something pop up and we heard the first version of that song and we were like, man, this sounds so bad. Like we should re-record it. And Will was just like, yeah, sure. So like, we didn't even really have like any intention of like bringing those out. We just like thought that it was fun. So, like, we wanted the focus to be on the new song, Mistakes Like Fractures, and then we just dropped those in there for fun as well. You know, it was kind of interesting in seeing, A, the cover, Mistakes Like Fractures, and it was uh, All My Friends. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised, and, and maybe it'll be on whatever the, the new album will be when that comes out, but I was kind of surprised that uh, By the Grave wasn't something that you had released since you guys had already been playing it live a little bit. And yeah. there was kind of the fans expecting it to come very soon since it was the, the newest material that you had kind of put out. Yeah, we, like, I don't know, things, like, change so much that, like, like I said before, like, we're just doing what we like. So, like, when we write our set list, like, yeah, we like playing that song. Um, but, like, who knows when it'll come out, if it'll come out. Like, there's been times when we've done that before, like, um, before Laugh Tracks came out, there were, like, songs that we played that never got released. Um, just because, like, you write later and you're like, man, this is way better. So, like, you scratch <laughs> the old stuff. But, like, that's not me saying that I don't like that song. I definitely enjoy playing it. Something that has been interesting and kind of thinking about everything, and, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit already, is the fact of just kind of the shift in perception of you guys kind of being like, you know, maybe the first of a four or five package tour to taking out bands and so forth. Do you feel the weight or the pressure now of the expectations of kind of being a band that has a lot of people's attention? Um, no, not at all really because like, because it's just fun. I don't know. Like, if literally nobody came tonight, I would have the same... Like, I would have a blast because we picked every single band on this show. And I'm a fan of every single band on this show. And I'm friends with every single member of every single band on this show. We've toured with all of them before except for Sanction. But we've still known Sanction for an extended period of time. So, like, we did a lot of support tours. And a lot of tours with, like... Um, bands that like you're unfamiliar with or like strangers that you don't know or like bands that you might not even like but it's like but you do it because you love playing the shows and because it might benefit your band um, 
And we did that for so long that now it's like, okay, now we can pick. You know what I mean? Now it's our turn to do whatever we want. And it's and it's sick. It's like the best thing in the world. Like when we did the tour with Terror, like we handpicked all of those bands. We picked every single local that was going to be on every single show. There's not as many locals on this tour just because it's a bigger package. Right. But we picked every single local. Uh, we pick every single venue that we play, like, and we just like we go over it so much, and and like. I know that like a lot of people might not know that about some bands and some bands might not even do it, but like we're so interested in like this is our headliner. It's gonna go to the cities that we want it to go to. If it doesn't come to your city, there's a reason why. Not because we hate the city, but we might have better plans for that city later on or something else. And it's just like so we worked so hard on this tour that like as soon as it started day one, I get there and I start seeing all my friends show up. And it's just like, let's go. This next 30 days is going to be a blast every single day. You know, kind of talking to handpicking the bands for the tour, you know, that territory, this band with Acacia Strain, this tour with Acacia Strain and so forth. You know, I think something that I've kind of noticed is a lot of the tours you go out on, it seems like, you know, you look at a band like Every Time I Die, they have, they do that where they'll bring out, you know, a, a band that kind of makes sense, an up-and-coming band and so forth, and, and they kind of pay it forward in, in both either way, like to legacy bands and to up-and-coming bands, and it seems like you've kind of been following that trend as well, and it makes me wonder, do you... I don't know the sort of polite way to ask this. Um, no, no, you can say it. It's just one of those things, like, do you... Because I'm reminded of a Drake lyric from a long time ago where he basically said, like, you know, people basically think that I can help them get back to where they fell from. And so as a result of that, it makes me wonder if, like, you know, some of the people that you're now surpassing in popularity, if, you know, they're kind of hitting you and be like, yo, it'd be, you know, kind of really tight. Remember that one time yeah. we took you out and stuff like that? Do you feel pressured into having to take certain bands? I know, like, with Terror, there were a lot of people that were like, why the fuck is, you know, Terror opening basically for yeah. you guys and to me i kind of saw it sort of as like as it is with anything in the in the music industry where you kind of see people passing the torch i mean wrestling's a great example of that as people are kind of on their way out you know they put over the young talent yeah. and kind of show like hey this is you know these people are okay like yeah 100%. um i actually have a couple things to say about this um one every single tour like headliner that we book we have two rules um Rule number one is that direct support has to be a risk. Um, so Terror and the Acacia Strain is a risk because they're both legacy bands. And it's like, okay, we're going to take the risk of establishing ourselves as a headliner over bands that have, over these bands that have been bands for over 10 years. And rule number two, there has to be a curveball. Um, whereas the Terror tour, Terror served as the curveball, whereas like You're the Knife, Jesus, Peace, and Us, all very heavy, low-tuned, Terror is just a traditional hardcore band. This tour, it's higher power because you have Sanction, Harm's Way, Casey Strain, Us, which like kind of makes sense, and then you throw in higher power that like does not sound anything like us, but it still works. You know what I mean? Um, so like that's kind of our thought process for all of our headlining tours. Um, two, we definitely don't feel pressured to return the favor, but at the same time, like when we were a young band, we like asked if we could open up an Acacia Strange show when they were on tour. And when we opened up for them, Vincent watched our band and said, I want to take them on tour. And in 2016, he did. And it was an amazing tour. It was the best tour we had done uh, at that point. 
and he said on that tour, in a couple years, you all are going to take us on tour. And it wasn't like there was no pressure or anything, but it's like we, we became friends with these people. I love their band. And bands like the Acacia Strain, Every Time I Die, Tear, all these bands that you've seen successfully be a band for over 10 years and become legacy bands, it's because they're smart enough to know that things change constantly. There's just no way that you can be the coolest thing forever we are like doing well enough right now to where we're lucky enough to headline over bands like the acacia strain but we're not going to be doing this well forever in order to stay relevant and to continue doing music as a career you have to be willing to swallow your pride and play in front of new kids and playing and knocked loose is bringing a younger demographic that doesn't know who the acacia strain is Octolus is introducing younger kids to a traditional hardcore that don't know who Terror is. And I'm really, really not trying to be cocky. Um, I, I promise I'm not trying to be cocky. That's like the last thing I ever want. I'm just saying that like one day I hope that people do that for us as well because like we're not going to be in this position forever. The Acacia Strain was at a point where they could headline over us. Now the roles are reversed. I want to help my friends out. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely no pressure there. I think it's, I think that in a nutshell kind of speaks to seemingly from afar how it seems like you handle as a band, have handled your career as a whole. Yeah. Um, I would say going on that Beartooth tour was a risk and the curveball. You were both. It almost yeah. seems like you sort of apply that same principle to your own career as far as like when you're supporting bands. Like, does this make sense? Not necessarily. Are we the curveball? Are we the risk? Yup. Yeah. So we should do this and, and kind of push the boundaries of what people think maybe we as a hardcore band can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's always been, like, we've always had a mutual understanding that we will play any kind of show. Just because, like, no matter what atmosphere you put us in, it's not going to change what kind of band we are. But we are lucky enough to, like, walk that line but where we can do metal stuff and we can do hardcore stuff and kind of, like, adapt the band to the scenario. So when you play a show with Terror... You're going to have kids stage diving and beating the shit out of each other. But when you play a show with Beartooth, you might have a lot of people just watching you with their arms closed. It's because it's a different crowd, so you have to learn how to talk to those crowds. With Beartooth, I would tell people to put their hands up in the air and for everybody to, like, wave their hands back and forth. And, like, that's just not the same way that you would approach, like, a VFW hall show. Um, so we've always been like that, and, like, Every Time I Die is a perfect example because you see Every Time I Die touring with bands, touring under bands like Motionless and White. If you've been a fan of Every Time I Die since Hot Damn, you're like, why the hell are they playing before Motionless and White? But Motionless and White is just bigger and they're because they're playing to a different demographic. And that's why Every Time I Die has been a band for 20 years. Yeah, I would most assuredly say to agree to that. That is one of my favorite bands. and Also one of my favorite bands. Getting to see them actually play... Uh, Across the street here at Van Andel, opening for, for Fall Boy was a fucking mind fuck. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm. They're they've been one of my favorite bands for a very very long time. I'm now lucky enough to call them my friends. That tour was definitely like crazy to see. Yeah, you were the last band I got to see at the Christmas show uh, this past year because of uh, my wife putting on the wrong footwear. So we left the venue and then we didn't get back in time. So basically we drove all the way from here, or didn't drive, we flew all the way from here. Yeah. I'd had those tickets for over a year. Yeah. <laughs> and you were the headlining band, basically. <laughs> well, you know that they'll do it again. I know, it's just a matter of actually getting the time to go do it and yeah, go down there. But Buffalo was awesome, but uh, yeah. 
No, um, kind of in wrapping up, what uh, what does... Actually, I have a, a curveball question for you. So, A, Vincent right now has uh, his Twitter handle yeah. uh, as uh, Brian Garris' ARF or something like that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's become sort of a, a meme of sorts at this point. What uh, I just saw a really good one after you dropped the video for uh, Mistakes Like Fractures with... Uh, the Blue Man group? No, it wasn't the Blue Man. It was Tobias Fumke from... Uh, Arrested Development. Arrested Development. Yeah, and it was just I blew like, myself. Yeah, I really blew myself, and it was like, I had a good time. And it just makes me wonder, like, do you think, you know, sort of becoming like a meme, uh, I guess, or like kind of like a, an in, not an inside joke, but just kind of a joke, not musically, but just yeah. in the, I guess, in presentation or something, uh, do you find that amusing? I will say the Mistakes Like Fractures one, I've seen some good ones. Um, the Counting Worms one, I've seen maybe one good one they're just all bad um i don't care like that's fine um if anything it's helped the band it's definitely like put us in it's definitely had people heard about us that would have never heard about us regardless because the memes have like done so well so like that's fine i'm not like bitter about it at all the only thing that i hate is when people fucking bark at me in public like, people will, like, like, see me. When you're out in, like, literally out in public, people do that? Not, like, in public, public, because I'm not, like, a celebrity. But, like, if I'm playing, like, say we're playing Grand Rapids and there's, like, a line of kids out front. If I, like, walk down the street to the gas station, the line, like, there will be kids in the line that, like, bark at me. I think that sucks really bad. Or, like, when we're setting up to play and I bring in the water out for everybody and somebody in the crowd, like, barks at me, like, just don't do that. Like, there's a time and place for it and the time and place is when we're playing the song. It's interesting. I, I guess I wouldn't have thought. I don't know. Then again, I'm not. I'm like 35, so I don't think to do be an asshole like that to people. It just that yeah. just doesn't. But cross you, my mind. yeah, you can make memes all day. Just please don't bark at me. I'm very like I'm a very shy person. So like, if you bark at me in public, I like start sweating. I turn red, and I just I'm gonna like run from you. And lastly, what is uh what is the rest of 2019 hold for the band? I, I would assume there's gonna be a follow up uh, record at some point at the end of the year. Um. There's not a whole lot that I can talk about, but I can say that there's more music. I can say that three days after we get home from this, we go to Europe and we do a headliner with Crowhan and Kublikan. I'm very excited. Um, and a band called Caged Existence um, from Australia. Um, I'm actually going to double check that because the other day there's another band from Australia that I think has like a similar name and we were talking about them and I was like, yeah, we're going on tour with them. And somebody's like, no, you're not. <laughs> so I, I just want to make sure, because, like like I said, we picked these bands. Yeah, Caged Existence. I don't know what the other band that I was thinking of. But I'm excited for that. And then the day that we get home from that tour, we go on tour with A Day to Remember, um, which will be a U.S. tour with Boston Manor, us and A Day to Remember. I'm very excited. That is definitely a curveball tour. But I'm excited to be on tour with Boston Manor again because we did – we toured with them in um, at Warp Tour, and they're like a they're completely different than us, and you would never expect us to be on the same tour. So we got really close on Warp Tour, and when we were done, I was just like, okay, I mean, I guess I'll see you when I see you. Like, there's no reason for us to ever tour again, <laughs> but here we are. A day to remember made it happen, so I'm very excited for that. And um, yeah, we just announced like uh, Louder Than Life. See you there. Well, hopefully. You know, getting on to something like Louder Than Life and, and being up as high as you are, 
you know, for a Danny Wimmerfest, which, you know, for those that maybe don't understand, Danny Wimmerfest are basically the biggest fest in the, the rock fest in the U.S. Um, what does, because I think this is one of the first ones you've been on. Maybe you did Rock on the Range or Carolina Rebellion. We did, um, I think it was called Rock on the Range in New Jersey. No, Rock on the Range is in Columbus. Rock Allegiance. Rock Allegiance, We yeah. did Rock Allegiance. Um, does Danny Wimmer do self-help? No, that's a Day to Remembers festival. I knew that. I knew that. I don't know why I asked you that. I knew that that was our festival. Um, so yeah, we did Rock Allegiance, and I think I think this year we're playing. Um, we might be trying to play some more Danny right. Wimmer Fest as well. So we're like very new to that world, and it's very very different than the club shows that we play. So like, um, it's it's definitely playing in front of. It's we're very lucky to to be a part of it because they are like the biggest rock music festivals in the United States, and it'll it gives us a chance to. One, have our flyer on, I mean, have our name on a flyer with Guns N' Roses and Ice Cube. And two, play in front of people that would have never come to see us at a club. How stoked are you to see Stained back again? Um, I, I like I like a couple Stained songs, but I'm not as stoked as I am to see Ice Cube. For sure. I actually saw him when he did his NWA show across the street. Oh, nice. Which was- I actually... We'll probably only be there the day that we play. Um, I will be in Japan. Um, and then we found out that we were playing that, so I, like, changed my flight to come home to play that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I might miss Stained, but I'm very, very excited to see Ice Cube. And then our, I have to shout out our friends in White Reaper are playing as well, um, another band from the same area as us. Both, like, come from, like, the hardcore scene. They're playing like a different style, but it's incredible. I love that band. They're playing as well, and we've always talked about playing together, and this is like the first time it's happening, so it's funny that it's under these circumstances, but shout out to White Reaper. Well, thank you again, Brian, for the time, and looking forward to the set tonight, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys at Louder Than Life. Nice. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Brian Garris of Knocked Loose. Uh, that was it was a very intimate uh, setting. We were literally in the band's van. Uh, in spite of what we were saying before and, and talking about the success of the band, they are still touring in a van, a 15-passenger van. And uh, it was a hot day, and uh, only one of the windows was open, so it was. It got very, very uh, intimate and, and kind of muggy. I, I thought it was weird that you were on his lap for the interview, but I know that's just that's your comfort zone. So, speaking of comfort zone, I was pleasantly surprised that people bark at him in public when he's like out and about during like on tour yeah that's messed up can you imagine that like you're walking on the street and somebody starts barking and it's like such a weird thing because it's like it's because we were we had a song that was used in a meme it's like oh my god like but i i appreciated him being like i'm not even offended by that he goes it's just you know if we're playing the song i can understand but like me on the street like why would you just do that to somebody Well, I mean, that's like, so I just went and saw DMX this past weekend, or this past week, and... God, you're so metal, John. I know. (laughs) Uh, Went and saw... DMX is pretty metal, fuck you. Um, DMX is very aggressive. I don't know about metal. Well, he uh, obviously would be one of the few others in that category that probably gets barked at quite a bit, you know, just in public. I could see that, yeah. So, you know what, I'm going to put this out into the world, and and Brian, if you're listening to this episode, or if you end up sharing it or whatever, I'm going to put it out into the world that you need to do something with DMX where you do, like, one of these uh, videos for, like, Loudwire or something like that, or, like, you know, you see those uh, things on Jimmy Kimmel where it's, like, mean people reading angry tweets about them or whatever. So, 
I think maybe they need to get together and do like a PSA where it's like, yes, I know I bark in one of my songs or whatever, but you know, and just do like this weird, like kind of very serious, but in like a comedic way, like, but you know, I'm a person and I don't need to be barked at in real life <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That would be funny. Or, you know what? Fuck it. Get, do a collaboration, do a song. You know, I've been very much championing uh, you, you're right now on discography discussion in the midst of uh, New Metal May, and I think it would be really cool. Some some band needs to start traversing that gap of uh, rap and, and hip-hop or metal or whatever again. So fuck it. DMX, Knocked Loose collaboration track needs to fucking happen. Well, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, especially since they're real, apparently there really weren't any bands that have ever done that. <laughs> no. Just for a little bit of a throwback. Uh yeah, sorry. I, I can't get past that because it's so objectively wrong. But anyway. <laughs> I think the internet agreed with you on that one. <laughs> this is just a really interesting, very honest interview. And like I kind of said in the intro, I, I was very kind of nervous about talking with Brian because, you know, some of these bands that we've been getting the pleasure to talk to, or myself, I guess, and personally, um, it's it's hard not to get wrapped up in the hype. Um, like teasing an episode we have coming up, I had to talk to Spencer from Periphery. You want to talk about a band that's like basically on everyone's lips and that whenever they do anything, the whole metal world feels it. Now go talk to that person. And it's like getting to talk to Brian. Like I kind of felt like that on a little bit of a smaller scale where I'm like, I'm talking to someone who is like, really and they had just dropped uh, mistakes like fractures like the day before and just seeing the internet go ablaze with comments and people like champing at the bit for new material since it'd been three years since they had put anything out it was kind of a, a bit intimidating to, to kind of talk to them and be like wow like i'm talking to someone who's really going through this awesome period of their band yeah yeah it that's that's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting like looking back in five years and looking at what looking at what the potential was on the horizon versus what the reality was, um, and that's not even with a negative connotation that like things are going to go bad or anything like that. It's just uh, it's just fun to kind of have that perspective uh, during this period in a band's career. Yeah, you're basically in the eye of the storm, really. So kind of in wrapping up, uh, we're going to get to the socials and the plugs and all that kind of stuff. So if you would like to keep up with Knock Loose, you can find them on Facebook and Twitter at Knock Loose. Instagram is at Knock Loose HC. And if you would like to keep up with Brian, you can find him on Instagram at Heathen underscore Gang and Twitter at Brian Garris underscore. And if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. And Dan's going to tell you where he can be found on the interwebs. Yeah, it can be found on Facebook under Daniel Terry. That's really hard. You might want to write it down, uh, Daniel Terry. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. And I have another podcast called Discography Discussion where we talk about bands and stuff. And uh, that's at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Brew Speak Pod. And you can find us on YouTube at Brutally Speaking Podcast, where you can get a different way to listen to this podcast and uh, soon some videos coming up. And if you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can find them at TheBeanBastard.com. Facebook and Instagram are at The Bean Bastard. And if you would like to become a sponsor, email us at BrutallySpeaking at gmail.com, and we will figure out something that works for all of us. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.